Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104 with Play Blue. You can visit our flagship store in Tala or get free delivery at playblue.ie. Quick public service announcement just for um, people with regard to trying to disinfect things with, you might fear, has the coronavirus on it or, or in it. If you have a book um, or a series of books, uh, don't microwave them because that'll only set them on fire. Yeah, don't do that. Also, don't microwave your phone if you have lost your charger and want to charge your phone. No, these are all very, very bad things. So somebody, a uh, Dubliner out in Dunleary Rathdown, returned their book to the library after microwaving it, thinking that that was the smartest thing to do to try and get rid of the virus. I understand the intention behind that. You want to make sure it's safe. And you obviously can't use alcohol hand sanitizers on it because you'll destroy the pages. You'll get all soggy and disgusting. Maybe you thought the next best thing was to throw it in the microwave on, I don't know, defrost for 60 seconds. But um, uh, no, the, the, the certain pages of the book's gone absolutely fried. So ju- just, you know, don't do that. No, don't do that. Never a good idea. No, not, uh, not at all. So the country with the most pets per household has been... Uh, has been apparently revealed. I would imagine that we like our animals a lot and that we have a lot of pets. We do have a lot of pets. So they said 56% of people internationally have at least one pet living with them, which is kind of nice to know, isn't it? I'm in the minority then. You actually are. Sad times. Although you might get one in a few years. Yeah, I might do. I'd love to get a dog now. I'd love to get a big, massive, hairy, shaggy-looking dog. Yeah. So would I. I'd love one. But Ireland do come in 10th place, having oh. the most pets in the world. Yeah, so we have 34% of Irish people own a pet. I would have thought it was more than that as well. Are you excluding farmers? Like, do cows count as pets or they have to be domesticated living in your gaff? I guess living in your gaff, yeah. Right, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, some people do have pigs. There was a girl in my class in school, and I don't know what happened to the pig. There was a trend going. I think Paris Hilton had bought a, a pet pig before. I can't remember. A micro pig, I think it was called. So, anyway, there was a girl that I went to school with that ended up getting one as well. Did they wind up eating that one Christmas? <laughs> no, <laughs> a bit of, bacon. of course not. Like, come on there, lads. But I, like, I don't understand. I've never heard of the the pig since. I don't know if they ended up giving it back. I don't know what they did with the pig but mm. I can imagine it was a bit of a trend that shouldn't have happened. I don't yeah. think micro pigs should be used as domestic pets. Um, so Ireland is in there in 10th place. Any idea who who's next on the list? In 9th? Oh, 
was trying to think, who are the most pet friendly people in the world? Is it is it is a European country the number one, by the way? They're they're random, by the way. No, it's not. So it's China in there. I mean China like eating bats and stuff, so I don't know if that's gonna work. China are not in there. No. They're one of the lowest countries. Uh, I've no idea. I have absolutely I'd say the United States are in there. They're like an old dog, don't they? They've come in in third place. So 70% of people in the States own uh, some kind of a pet. Mm. Um, Hungary is in in ninth place. Right. With 40%. Portugal, 47% of Portuguese own a pet. Lithuania is in fifth. Or sorry, is in there. And then in fifth place, we've got Poland, Romania, USA. In second is Russia. But... Who has the most pets in the world? Oh, well, that's a weird one. I don't even know where to start with that. That's such a random mix of uh, random mix of countries there. Um, okay, who, who's the most pet friendly? Who's the most pet friendly country in the world? Oh, eight seven six seven nine seven one zero four. Which country, I suppose, has the most amount of pets per person? Um, let us know 0876797104 micro pigs were a scam they grew up to to become big old porkers did did they actually were they just selling like baby pigs to people is there a name for a piglet it is isn't it it was obviously a baby pig uh, yeah piglet but there was such thing as a micro pig which meant that even fully grown they were tiny genetically engineered to be tiny yeah and people were people were buying them as pets Miniature pig, known by other terms, is used to refer to the small breeds of domestic pigs, such as a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig. Oh, so they're actually, yeah, they're just, they're just, they wind up being tiny. Although I imagine some Irish people try to get away with it and kind of going, yeah, that's a micro pig there now, give me, sell you them. And then you go back and it's like, oh, good God. But she used uh, to bring her for a walk. Who, your friend used to bring her pig for a walk? She used to bring the pig for a walk. No, I wasn't friends with her. She was in my class in school, but I'd see her walking her pig. Oh, for God's sake. Was she bullied? Because that's just asking to be bullied. No, well, she was, you know, we'd probably left school by the time she got it. We would have been maybe sixth year or maybe she would have been in college when she got it. But Dave asked, is Babe not a micro pig? Was Babe a micro pig? Good point, actually. Yeah, Babe did look a bit small. And I do remember Babe being quite cute. And pigs mm. aren't generally cute, so. Yeah, I think it probably was. Good observation there. Well done, sir. Ten points for you. I don't Ten know what you win. Ten points for you. Uh, okay, so uh, second place is Russia, you said. Russia, yeah. <laughs> okay, if you think you know what it is, the pet-friendliest country in the world, um, the greatest proportion of people in the country who have pets, which country is it? Russia's in second place. A couple of, um, couple of guesses that have come in here, I don't want to really read that one out in case it is right. But sure, we listen. We will. Uh, Luke, what's the story? How are things this evening? He said Alaska because they love their huskies. No, no, no. It's not Alaska. Is is it a cold country? No. Is it a densely populated city country? Possibly city country. Um, let me see. Who loves their country? Who loves? No, I I would never have guessed this. I would have. Or the other one, like, is it Canada? No, it's not Canada. 
So not America, Russia, Canada, where they're in 10th place. And the UK hasn't been mentioned. Is it the UK? No, the UK actually were much lower than Ireland. Yeah. They can barely look after themselves, let alone animals. That's it. And pets. Yeah. Uh, okay, just, we'll just look for the country with the most pets per person, I suppose. Or, yeah. Anonymous, please, we will not mention your name. Do not worry. We had a micro pig years ago at the check for mites. We had to do skin scrapes. And my dad said, we had a pig. We had a pig in for pork scratchings. I don't know if what? I get that. But you had a micro pig years ago. I need to check for mites. I didn't think people actually had them. Bar that girl, I did not think that they were going to catch on. Maybe this girl is your friend. Maybe not. <clears throat> Amy thinks it's Australia. That might, well, unless it's pet tarantulas that are crawling into your gaff at night. Is, that, is it Australia? No, it's not Australia, no. Ah, well, I thought that was a good no. one. And then the, this has come in a few times as well from Paul. What's the story? Thanks for the message in. Paul has said this and also <clears throat> uh, Lucian, I think, is this. Uh, yeah, Lucian has said this as well. So they have both said Japan. No, it's not Japan. Ah, I was about to play. No, no we can't play no. that. We cannot play that, no. Go on, so let I'll us give know. give you a, no big, right a big hint. Go on, give us a big hint. It's, it's located in North America. What? It's a city. Now I'm confused. I thought we were looking for countries. Pacific Ocean. I don't want to give it away. We spoke about it last week, actually, about a place that would be cheap to live. Uh, I was going to say Hawaii, but Hawaii is a... Not Hawaii. Um, um, Um... It's in North America. Yeah. But there's like... There's only... Oh. You're talking more Central America. I'm not saying nothing. Has any text coming in there? (laughs) Anyone (laughs) caught this yet? We need a country. We need a country. 80% 80 of people own a dog or a cat here. We're getting loads of messages in from people who have dogs in their profile photos. It's amazing. Oh, Marina, cute. thank you for the message in. How are you doing tonight? She said, is it France? It's not France. Uh, also, I think Bay, she says, I think Bay was just a piglet and not a micro pig. Yeah, probably would have agreed with you there. The the, the piglet, the, the, the babe debate can go on further into the evening. A lot of text coming in here now. Uh, is it Cuba? No. Puerto Rico? No. And then... I'm going to presume that these are correct and right. Morris, what's the story? And Adrian have both said Mexico. Is it Mexico? Yes, it is Mexico. Yay! Yay. Finally! 80% of people in Mexico own a dog or a cat, which is very interesting. And they also went on to say that women who live alone are more likely to have a pet dog or cat living with them. But men who live on their own are more likely to have what animal? I found this fascinating. Um, I would have presumed a dog. I would have been no. a dog. No, this animal, could you call it an animal? Doesn't take much looking after. Let's put it that way. Um, a snake. 
No. Smaller than a snake. Much smaller. What is it? A fish. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, men who live alone are more likely to have a fish than anything else. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Because, like, what at you least you can you can As have a, a girl, crack with a cat or a dog, you know what I mean? You can't really do much with a fish except look at it and feed it and hope it doesn't die overnight. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit of company. I mean, yeah. you wanted Swim, Swim and Bobby. I still do want Swim, Swim and Bobby, but I can't have them because we're not in the office at the moment, but they're yeah, definitely but on the list of things to get. Why did you want them? I don't know. See? I don't know. I, I, I just don't have any interest in fish whatsoever. I'd like the walls of my house if I could yeah, build a house to be like an aquarium. Just have yeah, sharks that would in the be walls, cool. Like, yeah. But I'd hate to have to clean it out. <laughs> I'm scared of fish. You know when you have to scoop yeah. them out to clean the water? Yeah. I'd be terrified. Flapping all over the place. No way. <laughs> uh, right, there you go. Um, turns out Mexico, kind of the pet friendliest country in the world. And then if you're a fella and you're living on your own, you're more likely to, gonna, to have a fish. If you're listening right now and you're sitting alone in the dark and there's just a blue light in the corner of the room with your weird fish and you're listening to us on the radio, <laughs> let us know, will you? Because uh, apparently that should be more common than not. And most women, if you're listening to this and you happen to be on your own, you're, you'll either have a cat or a dog. And men on I their own one of those boxes, yeah. There you go. We've backed up our anecdotal evidence here slightly. But listen, let us know what the story is. Still to come on the show, Christian Grant... I was going to say Christian Grey. No, Christian Grant from com, revealing some of the goings-on that went on uh, behind closed doors during the pandemic that maybe shouldn't have went on uh, behind closed doors. That's on the way, uh, along with music from Little Mosey on the way out. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. You can get the podcast on your usual podcast places. Uh, Room 104, Spotify, Acast, all, all the usual places. You can listen back to the shows in full and get the interviews as well. Last night we spoke to head of the drug science organisation, uh, David Nutt, Professor David Nutt. So he was on and his podcast, his interview is up on the podcast there as well. There's a, a very interesting tweet doing the round which uh, maybe, maybe can shine a light on some of the media interviews that happen to people like us who work on radio, but you might wonder what goes on behind the scenes with these things. But someone, her name is Fiona Sturgis. She writes for uh, The Independent, The Guardian over in the UK, has come out with a bit of a, a long-worded rant about how frustrating it can be for journalists and other people who work in the media when it comes to interviewing, let's say, a, a celebrity for a new movie or a new book and things like that. She mentioned yeah. someone who recently got, she said someone who was doing a profile for someone spent 14 hours with... Uh, with the person, you know, doing a huge piece and was like, she obviously doesn't want 14 hours, but she says she's been given and had to fight for 20-minute interviews with different celebrities uh, and that there's, you know, there's, they're useless and they're pointless because you can't really talk about anything other than try and get sound clips. But I remember doing interviews with people and you will only be given five minutes. Literally, their PR will say, you've five minutes on the phone with this person and that is it. And as soon as you go over the time, their PR person is on the line, is always listening in to make sure, one, you don't ask anything inappropriate, but two, they'll just cut you off at the time and be like, sorry about that. Now, see if I could look, uh, that's it, you. The next the next interviewer is on that the person has you know, got to speak to and they love to speak to hundreds of journalists every day. So uh, it is funny because they, they wind up sometimes being the most boring, bland, terrible interviews of all time. And it's not yeah. our fault. If you listen to this and, you know, you hear celebrity interviews with people and like, this just the same trope and the same crap coming out all the time. It's literally because they're only allowed to talk to you for five minutes. This person was kind of given out about only having 20 minutes. That's slightly 
that's nearly a joy to have 20 minutes but on top of that you work in somewhere like radio and TV sometimes you'll only get 5 minutes sometimes you have to cut that 5 minutes down to 3 minutes as well if you're running out of time on a show and it can just make it it's nearly like it's nearly pointless for everyone involved to have to bother, bother your arse to kind of go out and interview them in the first place but I think that's a lot to do with the whole kind of fact that a lot of their private life is now being shared online for people to kind of make up stories about them and all the rest of it. And then sometimes they just don't want to talk about them juicy moments that we want to hear about. You know, you see pictures of something that might have happened to them or, you know, say Christian Bale going absolutely mental on yeah. set. You want to talk to him about that day, but you'd never be able to. So it's, oh, it's usually yeah. just straightforward about the movie that's coming out or whatever it might be. Surface level, I would say. Oh, completely. It's so generic. On the one hand, I, I you know, used to hate doing them because as well, you know they've given the exact same answer to absolutely yes. everything. And they're just like your mind. Imagine like literally some of these actors and musicians have to have like a hundred interviews in a day. I can you imagine each one is only on like five minutes and you're just there going, my God, yeah, no, it's great. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to the release of the movie, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I remember like, and add to that, if you get them when they're like exhausted or just fed up, if you're like interviewer number 105, they just don't want to talk to you. And it's the most uncomfortable, awkward feeling in the world, trying to get blood from a stone. I remember I interviewed, uh, there was two of the worst interviews I ever did. One was with Macklemore when he was over in Dublin. And he just didn't want to be there. And you're yeah. like, hey, so what's going on? And you know, one word answers where you're like, <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, terrible. And again, we only had five minutes with him. And then the other one was, and it wasn't necessarily, it, it was Emma, Emma, ba- baby size, Emma Bunton, right? And this was, I would say, four years ago, three or four years ago, when there was rumors that they were getting back together as Spice Girls, right? Before they, they did in the end. So there was rumors going around. And I never got the the email from their PR person of what you can and can't say because we're given a list of what you can and can't say to, uh, and, and what you can and can't ask about kind of what oh, Sirius yeah. was saying so it's like sometimes it's you're told from the outset do not ask about X, Y and Z and apparently in this email it was do you not talk about the uh, reforming the spice because you're not allowed to ask about that I hadn't seen this email I literally was five minutes from coming on air and then was legged it out the door had to go do this interview and obviously the first thing I asked so is Spice Girls getting back together how's it going and she kind of went uh, and her PR man just jumped straight in and was like sorry 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 no 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 none of that can't answer that sorry Oh, I not, so I nothing else. What, what else do you talk to Baby Spice about you know what I mean yeah can't talk well, about what, the Spice what Girls what did you do since the Spice Girls who are yeah, you, you other than Baby Spice? Do you do you like food? Uh, yeah. You know, do you like TV? God, I mean, that's what she's known for. That's what people recognise her for. I know, yeah. Funny though, funny. Wow. So yeah. uh, no, it's it's just interesting when you see you, you might be like just a generic celebrity interviews, and they're doing so much more of them because now there's more publications, there's more online media outlets, there's tons and tons and tons of stuff more. They're all fighting and competing for it, but everyone's getting like five minutes, sometimes less. And you're wondering why you're like, ah, oh, this we're not getting really anything meaningful out of this. It's because you've, you've so little time. They've been interviewed by about a thousand people, and they just don't care anymore. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of understand from their point of view as well, going from interview to interview. And it's you know, you often judge people if you've met them for five minutes. So I don't know yeah. what your take on Macklemore is now, but love his music. But I'd often think he could have had a bad day. He could have maybe had 10 interviews before he spoke to you and he was just like, fuck's sake. Oh, no, yeah, no, he did. And he was, he looked exhausted. 
He looked very sleepy with bloodshot eyes. And I'm not implying anything there. But, um, <laughs> you know, maybe he wasn't too energetic. But, uh, you know, I, I would do your head in with the same, the same stuff over and over and over again. So I just thought that was funny. That's kind of doing the rounds on Twitter at the moment. A deaf journalist coming out a little bit annoyed. Um, a little bit annoyed at that. Um, only getting her two seconds. Uh, yeah, sorry, a couple of texts in here. If you're still doing the Book of Enemies. Oh, oh yeah, your Book of enemies. of enemies. Am I, am I still there? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're definitely, you're still on. I have a list of enemies in my, where's my notebook with my list of enemies? Uh, how Max, dare you? Can I just butt in here for a second now? I'm on your list of enemies and I'm the woman. I'm never calling myself a woman again. I'm the girl. Who organised a cuddle party for you? That's why you're top of the list. I paid for that. I'll give you the money back if you want. You loved it. I bet you you went home and cried and said, "No, I'm going to cuddle people from now on." No, no, it actually made my avoidance of affection even worse. I'm so glad I got it in before, obviously, COVID hit because you'd never be That's cuddling again. <clears throat> <laughs> Oh, no, uh, but anyway, never, I'm still on the list. Who, who, Top who of the list. This, who does this person want to put on the list? Sorry, yeah. Uh, Max has gotten in touch, dropped us a WhatsApp in there. Evening, Max. How, how's you? If you're still doing the list of enemies, can you put down my friend Dan? Of course we can. Uh, because I sent a link to the COVID app on the... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On the GC yesterday, and he texts back, now you've lost me. He texts back to go rate the app under one star to get it taken down, though I don't think you can do that. Oh, is he trying to get everyone to, uh, yeah, rate it one star and then they'll be forced to take it off because there'll be a problem with it. Uh, no, listen, Dan can, uh, Dan, the COVID app man, will be added to the list of enemies as soon as I can find my notebook is, yeah. Uh, he said he wanted to do it just to, uh, to piss off Michal and Leo. 
Well, in fairness, I think in the first 24 hours, you're speaking of the, the COVID tracker app, um, it, it, it has surpassed a million downloads in the first 24 hours. So the reason that's important is obviously the more people that have it, the more people, the more you're able to trace and manage the virus and the spread of the virus. And the more important I think that's going to be over the next couple of months when we try and return to normality, when we try and figure out how we can uh, open up things like schools and open up more hospitals and nursing homes and businesses and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you haven't downloaded it yet, it's the COVID Tracker app. Uh, just search that on the App Store or you can get it on uh, the Google Play Store as well. 434,000 check-ins today. You need to have your Bluetooth on. It doesn't track your location. It doesn't track uh, anything like that. And it allows you to just log your symptoms. And what it'll do is if you have uh, been in contact with someone who has gotten the virus over the last, you know, week or so it'll notify you it won't tell you who it is it won't if you get the virus it won't message all your mates saying oh johnny's after getting the virus it won't do that it'll just let you know that somebody you've been in close contact with over the last week or two weeks has uh, tested positive for the virus and will then let you know what to do and will let you know uh, how to manage it and will also let the hospital and the HSC and different people like that know what they need to do to make sure that the virus doesn't spread. So I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. People like Jim Core have come out and said that um, he doesn't want to do it because it's giving over too much information and it's all about privacy concerns, but he tweeted all of that from an iPhone on Twitter. So that makes no sense, right? So I know we're all yeah. concerned about privacy, but if you're giving out about your privacy on Facebook and Twitter, just take a breath, take a moment and kind of go, okay, yeah. deep breaths. Because Twitter and Facebook know everything about you. They have all your data and they have all your data anyway. So this one is fairly transparent on the whole GDPR thing uh, and keeping your keeping your information as private and as anonymous as possible. And I said it's there to try and uh, figure out how we can stop the old spread of COVID-19, which is kind of uh, wrecking everyone's lives at the moment. But fingers crossed it will be moving. I'm moving into phase four, moving out of phase three anyway in the next uh, week or so, um, next couple of weeks. So fingers crossed. And more information, by the way, COVID, uh, COVID information up on fm104.ie, by the way. So you can check that out. Uh, still to come on the show, we're going to be talking to Christian Grant from Illicit Encounters about, one, how now that the pubs are back open, your beer goggles might be coming back on and people might be regretting hoping, hooking up with people they may not find attractive when they're not sober. Um, and also how some of those people might have been breaking quarantine during it. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here and as we know we're, we're slowly edging out of uh, lockdown more restaurants and pubs and bars and things like that are opening back up uh, fingers crossed on the 20th of this month as well the rest of them will be opening back up uh, normally not under you know restaurant licences as they are at the minute but what does that mean for you and other people who might be going out uh, well it means that um, the beer goggles might be coming back on and people might be hooking up with people that they usually wouldn't. Um, but what's yeah. the stats on it? I mean, this is the thing. I, I, I'm not even going to ask you, Sish, if you've ever hooked, or hooked up with someone that you, you didn't. I think I think we all have. I mean, alcohol lowers, lowers your inhibitions and makes it a little bit more fun and playful. Um, but you we're going to see, I don't know if there's going to be a positive or negative return, but we will be seeing an increase in people hooking up that with people maybe they're not all too mad about. Well, do you know what? I've definitely done this and kissed people. Thankfully, I haven't gone as far as sleeping with them but I've convinced myself the night before that he was really hot and then you'd add him on Facebook or Instagram and realise wow you are not (laughs) what I thought you were 
So it definitely is a thing. And I have had friends who have sadly gone that extra mile. And imagine waking up next to someone that looks like Shrek. Imagine marrying someone because you were just too nice to tell them that you're oh, like, listen, no. oh, God. <laughs> so um, listen, a survey of about 2,000 people over the last week or so, um, has a survey of 2,000 Irish people, has shed some light on the stats behind the beer goggles and whether or not people, even just coming out of lockdown uh, and since the reopening of the bars have happened, have they been hooking up with people that they, when they wake up they're like, oh my God, no. Uh, joining us now to discuss a little bit more about the facts surrounding beer goggle behaviour from illicitencounters.com. Christian Grant. Christian, how are things? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, things are changing fast. <laughs> I can imagine they are. Like There was no encounters.com for the last number of weeks with lockdown. I'm sure people still snuck out uh, without, you know, where they could. Um, but you guys have looked into the stats now the last week or two with regards to people kind of going back to the pubs. And what have you discovered when it comes to things like hooking up and beer goggles and the like? Basically, Dutch courage is needed for successful dating, basically. Around two-thirds of men and women use alcohol when they're dating um, to sort of... Um, familiarise themselves with their date and uh, the result of um, um, that boozing is they're much more likely to get to get frisky with a date than if they did it sober. Let's face it, the whole dating industry is fueled by alcohol because it is an awkward business and yeah, the beer goggles are on. Look, we all know that we're taking tentative steps back to normality. You know, we're not there yet. Things are getting better but there's still a long way to go but there's no doubt that the beer goggles if not fully on the eyes are certainly sort of perched on the end of the nose now. <laughs> Do you know what? I kind of feel more sorry for women in all of this because I kind of think that no matter what, it gets to the end of the night and any guy will just come up to you and they don't care what you look like. They just want one thing. Whereas I think with girls... They just want to feel loved, Saoirse. That's all they want. They didn't get enough hugs as a child and now they just want some affection and love. Maybe that's what they want. But I think with girls, it's totally different. They might be talking to a guy for a while and, you know, getting to know them on the night out and then realising that they just had their beer goggles on the whole time and they weren't attracted to the guy at all. So I know there's, you know, a certain percentage of men compared to women that uh, or a higher percentage of men saying that they have slept with somebody that they didn't fancy. But I think they do that anyway. The numbers were pretty high for both sexes. It's very clear that the beer goggles have been worn by both sexes. And I think both sexes have that horrible realisation when they've properly got the beer goggles on in the morning <laughs> that they might have made a mistake. But yeah, we, both sexes definitely do need that Dutch courage. Now, in in some of the, the, the kind of the, the research and the questionnaires that you send out, is this actually true now that you were found someone who might have had beer goggle sex on a date with a married man? Yes, that was true in the UK, where we have um, lots of members. Um, I, I wasn't aware of one in in Ireland, although we've got a lot of members there. But yeah, no, we had um, we had a, a shop worker in Bristol who'd basically, yeah, the pubs reopened in in, in the UK at the weekend. That met a marketing married marketing manager, and he was a bit short, not really her type. And yet, after a couple of glasses of wine, he suddenly started getting a bit more handsome. Um, <laughs> slightly blurring her judgment and yeah yeah they, they, they got it on did the wife ever find out about this now because we have her online too no we don't have her <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be ridiculous now but um, god we, yeah we, we tend to find that the, the most of our members are habitual cheats so that if their wife doesn't already know they've got a fair idea when they married oh interesting and now have you done a study on the poor people that have been rejected the next day <laughs> now that's 
clearly, uh, as we know from your earlier conversation, that's not from personal experience. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, um, a lot of us have probably been on the receiving end of, of that cold shoulder and it's not nice. And you like to think that, that it's got nothing to do with the beer goggles but clearly a lot of people are the victims of that um we haven't researched it but i'm sure there's some interesting stats to be had from it uh, from uh, obviously the website illicit encounters is set up to kind of uh, uh, you know for people who want to be a little bit bold and naughty and maybe do immoral things sometimes but did you notice a, a surge or a decline over the lockdown in activity or sign-ups Look, if I'm honest with you, COVID is an, is an awful thing and I don't in any way want to trivialise it. But as we all know, the stats show that the majority of young people who are healthy um, with no underlying health conditions don't have a great deal to fear from it. That is largely our core membership. So that after the horror of the first few weeks when we were all getting the grips with this crisis, you know, our core membership realised that as long as they were reasonably careful, they weren't that at risk. So they have largely been behaving slightly in breach of the rules and doing pretty much what they were doing before COVID came along. So, yeah, they have been dating, they've been going out, and, yeah, they've been um, um, breaking the rules and sleeping with people. They are in a low-risk group, and that's what they, they, they have chosen to do. They're aware of the risks. I'm not condoning what has, uh, has happened and um, and I'm sure critics would say that that sort of behaviour might raise the risk of infection, but it's a fact of life. I was actually wondering that. I wanted to think that people might just be hooking up over Zoom or video call and not actually meeting in person, but... I mean, no, they I'm are meeting surprised. in person. And I think that is true of every dating site, whether it be Tinder, Bumble, or whichever one you want to say. You know, people... Like, I can't speak for Ireland because I'm not there. I'm based in the UK, but, but certainly people are dating and and, and living normally and aware of the risk. And again, I'm not condoning the behaviour. I'm just saying that that's what's going on. Uh, well, a, a lot of people over the last while in various different situations have been flouting the rules. Not not a lot of people, but some have, which we've seen even here over the weekends um, outside some of the pubs in Dublin anyway. But uh, Christian Grant, listen from uh, illicitencounters.com. Thank you for the uh, dedicated research that you've done onto the beer goggle phenomenon coming back and, and leading to <laughs> regrets in the morning. But listen, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Great to have me on. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104 and we're about to learn some things about your online life and how they're going to impact your relationships because I would have presumed that, that again, this is my, how what would we say, not um, that stereotype is the wrong word to say, but I would have always presumed that the more a couple posts online about how amazing their relationship is, they're both dead on the inside. Yeah, I would have thought the exact same. And also, there's a little bit of selfishness that goes part and part with this. My Instagram, I set up for myself. So I like pictures that I like. So I'll take a picture of my cat or me and my cat or me on my own or something I come across. I don't feel the need to always have my best friends in the picture with me or my partner in the picture with me. Yeah, and I know that can cause some problems with some people, but it, it's a weird one. So if you're listening... What are your thoughts on your you know posting pictures of you as a couple on social media? Is it would it make any sort of difference to your relationship, to your intimacy, to you know to your daily lives, or is it just egotistical, vain BS that doesn't has doesn't have any impact at all? Because certain people were looking into what impact does posting online, especially when you're in a couple. Um, what impact does including pictures of you and your other half have on your relationship? Does it have any at all? 
or you know are we all just getting ahead of ourselves here so to explain more to us about that study and to talk about their findings from the University of Kansas now Omrit Gilath joins us he was a professor of psychology professor how are you sir I'm great all considering yeah everyone everyone's so polite about these with these kind of like lockdown interviews and corona stuff it's like everyone's great we just can't go outside and everyone's slightly scared about the future but apart from that right now we're doing good um yeah professor i would have thought that my own personal view on i don't really post any personal stuff about my relationship online one maybe i'm just an egotistical maniac who doesn't want to give any attention to anyone else but two I, i just don't see how it could have a good outcome to put maybe so much stuff online but you your research maybe found something slightly different. Well, it, it is slightly different, but you know, our motivation to study these things is, is to try to understand actually what's happening with this virtual living. I mean, now more than ever, right? When we did the studies, obviously no one thought about the pandemic and no one thought about this this uh, virtual existence. But yeah. um, we, we were still kind of wondering what happens when when all of these relational processes are, are taking place online. How is that affecting your relationship? So, as you said, when people post online, um, you know, they, they often do it without thinking too much about the consequences. Um, and, and they do it because maybe they want to keep, you know, their friends up to date or maybe they want to, you know, brag about something. Uh, what we were wondering is what happens when you're self-disclosing, right? What happens when you are putting, you're sharing information that that is more personal and, you know, maybe you just got a promotion or maybe, you know, something important happened at, at work or maybe, you know, um, you, just, you just manage a, a very big task or something like that and you're posting it out there and basically, yeah. you know, revealing and, and then, you know, let's say your partner is finding out about it from your Facebook or from your Instagram, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, know they're sitting there and saying uh, so wait i'm not important enough for you to tell me that first and i have to learn it was everyone else um so yeah. so what we're saying is is not so much that you know it's necessarily good or bad but that there are going to be consequences and we need to keep that in mind that if you are um, you know if there is something important and something that is is kind of you know revealing and personal you might want to uh, um, you know, tell it to your partner first, and and by partner we we talk very broadly, right? So it can be yeah. you know your romantic partner, your your family members, and so on. Yeah, I just don't understand why you f- would feel the need to tell them first. Like, there's a lot of things that I have posted online. Maybe it might have been passing my driving test, or you know something else similar, where I might not have rang a partner, or I might not have rang my mom, because I'm I know they'll all probably be on Instagram anyway, and they're going to see it within the first five minutes. So Hang on, Saoirse, would you hustle. not take time time out of your day to just, before you do that, tell tell the important people in your life, here's how I got on, instead of releasing I'm it to all the other plebs <laughs> that follow you, you know? <laughs> not really, no. A lot of things I wouldn't. But at the same time, I'm very much, uh, you know, I, I don't hold back when I'm talking about myself on air. I am who I am. And I don't hold back much information, which is probably a bad thing. But when it comes to you know, very personal things. Like if there was an illness in the family or if I was in a (laughs) long-term relationship, I wouldn't be posting up fights or being passive-aggressive like a lot of people would put on their stories on Instagram. I keep that quite private. So in that regard, I just kind of keep it as a fun, happy place. But, you know, if I pass my driving test, that's a very happy thing. So I just don't feel the need to tell anyone beforehand. 
Right. And, and, you know, this is all very interesting to me, not that I'm analyzing you as we speak, but, but, you know, <laughs> do, hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, if someone had told me that, you know, I, I, I might consider, you know, they're what we call detachment style, right? So people have different attachment styles. Some of them are very anxious about the relationships, preoccupied with thoughts about uh, abandonment and rejection. Others are more kind of avoidant. They, they try to avoid intimacy. They try to keep it on the down low. They're, they're trying to make sure that there is, there is enough room for them so they can pull away. So they don't want to depend on anyone else and don't want anyone else to depend on them. And then there are, you know, the secure people who are, who are kind of more uh, uh, okay with, with whatever. They're, they're fine with getting close. They're fine with depending. They're fine with helping out and reaching out for help and so on. Now, wh what you're describing is to some extent, right, kind of fits with, with the, a little bit of the idea of, of avoidance. But again, you're talking about, you know, being a celebrity and being, you know, a, a media personality. So what you're putting out there is getting to definitely more people. What we saw in our studies is that, first of all, Putting things out there uh, is usually, uh, and again, this I'm talking about things that are a bit more personal, right? Is usually having a, a negative impact on your relationship, and both on your own kind of perception and on your partner's perception. So we we kind of measured both of these things, and we saw that both the sense of intimacy and the satisfaction from the relationship is kind of going down. So so when you are putting these things out there and you when you're not filtering, you know, you're putting the good and the bad and and you're just basically self-disclosing, which uh, interestingly enough when you're doing it offline it's usually increasing intimacy and satisfaction at least in the kind of western hemisphere. Um when when you're doing it online, the the, the effect is the opposite. That is that's interesting. Now, so now, this has been a major red flag in a relationship that I was in before, where because I didn't post pictures of the two of us on Instagram, he found this uh, as a threat. He was saying, you know, you're putting up pictures of yourself. You want to look single, you know. Took it really personally to the point where I nearly forced myself to put up a picture when we were fighting. <laughs> so it was this happy picture of us in a pub. Yes, we were killing each other behind the scenes. And I just found that really odd and really wrong. And the pressure of feeling like I have to do something. So right. is that and, not and, and again, if, if you feel pressured, you, you know, don't do it. Obviously, I'm not saying, you know, get out of it. I mean, being authentic is, is an important thing. Um, but you, you might want to ask yourself, you know, why didn't you want to post, you know, pictures of you together? So he might be right about not wanting to show up like as a couple or not wanting to tell the world, you know, so people might be more sensitive to it. And, and the more you become, as we call, avoidant about it, the more you'll become anxious about it. He or she will become anxious about it. So, so this is kind of like a push-pull relationship, which we often see in our studies. We just had a, a new study talking about being hard to get, which is kind of like, you know a, a game playing within the relationships. And again, we see the same the same kind of relationships with with attachment, anxiety, and avoidance, where you know one side the avoidant people are more about playing hard to get, and the other side the anxious people are more about pursuing them and trying to make sure that they stay, you know, in their vicinity and stay in the relationship. Oh, that's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. So what you're saying is, I think I've been in similar situations before. If two people have different styles or approaches to the relationship, as you mentioned, I'd be very much avoidant. I don't really <clears throat> mean affection and those types of things. Don't really, don't really go hand in hand. And my other half would be slightly different. But I can, I think I've noticed this before that if I'm getting more avoidant, she needs more. 
attention or you know what I mean? Or, there you go, reassurance. And then I just get more annoyed because I'm like, would you stop being at me? Go away. Like, and kind of get frustrated that I'm like, no, of course you know I love you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. There's always that back and forth that, you know, the, the more you pull away, the actual, you're going to wind up getting less of what you want or, or less space right, for want exactly. of a better word. It's, it's very hard to step out of this vicious cycle, right? So, so what we're doing in some of our studies is we're trying to use nudges or, or primes, as we call them, and we're trying to help out people by, you know, making them feel less anxious or less avoidant, right? So in some of these studies, you can you can try and make it work like that in the lab. Obviously, there are other options like, you know, therapy yeah. or if you happen to find the right partner that gives you the sense of security, all that is, is working great. Yeah, I just find that, um, you know, you're, you're your own person and you should really be acting in an independent way. You shouldn't have somebody you know, feeling anxious because you're not showing them off on social media and surely too much of that can have a negative effect as well. Right. And and it's always, you know, a balance between, you know, uh, uh, individualism and autonomy and you want a partner. They have their own lives, obviously, and have their own existence. And, and you guys can talk about it, right? That's the easiest thing to do is to, you know, to stay from the beginning, you know, kind of like these are my expectations about, about uh, you know, our online existence. And, and, you know, I can tell you that, you know, my wife is on Facebook and all of these things, and I'm not, par- partially because I think that there are kinds of negative I- outcomes of that, but I don't actually, you know, check to see what she's doing out there, and I don't care if she's putting pictures or not, but, but uh, uh, you know, we kind of had this understanding, and, you know, if, if you talk to your partner and tell them, look, this is this is why I am, this is what I do, this is how I go about it, this is not to say that I don't love you, and that would make things much easier. So, so open lines of communications are super important, uh, respecting your partner, showing your respect that's all of that is going to help and then just getting back to the to the study that you were looking at on just <clears throat> couples who posted pictures of, of uh, each other on their social media uh, handles was it true then that if you know there was a benefit to posting pictures of each other online for s- certain relationships yes so so uh, you know we look at both friendships and and romantic relationships and and the things that are a bit more extreme was romantic relationships and you know so we found all of these negative effects like you know the decrease in intimacy and in satisfaction and so on but but as soon as as you have these uh, um you know, shared a post, right? Whether it's, you know, telling a story or putting a picture or what have you, as soon as they're included, um, that takes away the negative effects. So it's it's as simple as that by, by you know, making them a part of your story or, you know, uh, uh, tagging them or, or you know, mm. even just talking to them first, that can take away all the negative impacts that we've seen. Now, is this to let other people know that you are in a relationship? Um, usually not. Usually this is about your partner feeling included, right? So, so it, it's interesting because, you know... When, when you're saying that, it, it kind of reminds me, we had a different study about breaking up and, and, you know, we asked people, how do you break up? So people, for example, who are avoidant are just basically changing their status. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.